Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk with Dorothy Gordon today. Um, uh, This is going to be a special episode because guess what? This is season two. And uh, she is the first episode of my second year of interviewing wonderful people all over the planet to share their stories. Dorothy is an author, a life coach, and alternative practitioner, and she has written a book called When Life Has Other Plans, Discover the Hidden Gifts. Welcome to the show, Dorothy. Thank you very much for having me, Tina. It'll be a pleasure talking about uh, the interesting things that you try people to uh, share with you. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing your about your experiences and your story so we can start whenever, wherever you'd like. Okay, I think I'll start with my background. Uh, people may be able to pick up an accent after a while. I was born and raised in Bavaria, which in my humble opinion is the most beautiful state of Germany. And uh, my life was uh, rather uneventful, except for one uncle who said to my mother when I was very little, this girl is going to be something special. And she said, yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) Well, he was a bit of a prophet because my life turned out uh, very different from uh, how it started. And I really got to see that when I was writing my book last year, I thought, holy smokes, this reads more like um, an adventure story than uh, something metaphysical. But um, I grew up, as I said, in Bavaria, and um, I was going to become a teacher, and I was good in foreign languages, so that's what I studied. And then one day, this boyfriend of mine said that he had applied for a scholarship in the United States. And because I was majoring in foreign languages, English, French, and Spanish, I thought, well, I'm going to apply too. So I did. surprise I got a scholarship he did not he had to stay behind but I went off um, for a year of adventure in the United States and it was uh, that um, my university in Bavaria called the Regensburg has a partner university in Boulder Colorado the University of Colorado and they do exchanges and I was one of the lucky ones so uh, it was all very very new and, and interesting But for Christmas, I was going to go home again until another fellow said, no, there's an American lady. She wants to go to Mexico. Why don't we go along? And because I was studying Spanish, I thought, oh, here would be a chance that I could practice my Spanish. Well, it turned out a bit different because uh, that young man took off on me and I um, then had to travel on my own. And to make a long story short, I ran into some guys from... um, from Boulder, who were also there from uh, Regensburg, and they had a car, and I said, can you take me along, because I was a bit tired of uh, riding on those buses, so they said, yeah, 
uh, that would be okay. And we ended up in Veracruz at a motel where there was a Canadian license plate. And I thought, oh, here's somebody to speak English with her uh, French. Let's try those. Well, that was a real life changer. That's where all of a sudden my life was taking a very different direction because there were three very handsome young Canadians. <laughs> and of course, I fell in love with one. Unfortunately, they were from the West Coast. And if you've ever heard about Victoria, British Columbia, then you would know that this is a very, very beautiful place. It's on the tip of uh, Vancouver Island and not far from Seattle. And it was oh, in the 70s, an absolutely gorgeous place. So anyway, um, I, we, to make a long story short, we got married and uh, came to Canada. Well, that's, that's really where my initiation into metaphysics and um, a different way of seeing life uh, started. And I have to step back a little bit in that um, when I went to university in Bavaria, I had friends who were going to uh, be psychologists and they had to learn all sorts of extra skills like the Rorschach tests. And one of them was handwriting analysis. So I knew I was going to, which I found very interesting, but I knew I was going to be um, emigrating and why learn it in German when I would probably need it, the vocabulary um, to be in, in English. So um, I applied at the Graph Analysis Institute in Chicago and they took me and I studied for a year and a half and uh, graduated. And a few weeks later, I put an ad in the paper and said, I'm available for um, personality assessments, for compatibility assessments and so on, aptitude testing and so on. But I got a phone call from a young man who was a psychology student who said that he was going to put on a program on, is there life before life? And that was quite a stunner for me because I'd grown up in a uh, Catholic family where you have, you know, one chance at having a good and decent life. And then if you blow it too bad. So I said, well, I don't know anything about uh, life before life, but uh, if I can be of assistance, I'll be glad. So he had me uh, take people who were being regressed. And you may have heard of past life regressions. And there was a lady who was doing that. And I was sitting there and asking people to write something. For instance, they were in the 16th century or 17th century. They were poets or captains or various um, professions. And uh, what was interesting was how their writing changed, the strokes in the writing changed and uh, reflected the character traits they described as having in that life, which were slightly different from the ones they had in their present life. So that for me was such an eye opener. I thought, holy smokes, what is going on here? We did about 50 people. And when you see those changes for 50 times, you start to think there is something to it. So we did our show on TV and it was well received, but I then got involved in uh, energy uh, healing work because I found that very fascinating. <clears throat> and um, the, the situation was such that uh, we had to practice on people and I was about six months into my uh, training when I ran into a lady uh, from my son's class. And she said, oh, I'm not uh, doing too well because I have a lump in my breast and it has to come out. It's been biopsied and x-rayed and I have to um, 
have to have it taken out. And here I was all enthusiastic. I can help you. I'll prepare you, you know, with the operations way maybe better if we do a bit of energy balancing and so on. Mm -hmm. So she came to my house. I worked on her for an hour and a half. She went home and then went to the hospital the next morning, except I get a call at 9.30 and she said, they sent me home. They couldn't find the lump. She said that she had been lying there and uh, saying, trying to say goodbye to the lump and she couldn't feel it. She called the nurse who couldn't feel it, who called the surgeon who couldn't feel it. And he said, I can't cut out what's not there, go home. Mm -hmm. you know? And that was my first big weird experience. And I phoned my teacher and I said, what am I gonna do with this? You know, me, little me, uh, all of a sudden creating these situations. And she laughed and she said, well, you've always been a doubting Thomas. And um, those who know the Bible know that he didn't believe that um, there were all these divine things uh, going on. And now you will never be able to say that uh, divine uh, power is not working through you and in you because they've given you that experience. Yeah. So what kind of energy medicine were you practicing at the time? It was uh, similar to Reiki, where you balance energy. Like uh, we are all energy. We just have sort of a, a dense body because we are in the lowest uh, echelons of the energy field of matter. When energy gets really dense, it turns into matter. So energy tends to then sometimes get blocked or there is too much. And then it can cause a lot of havoc in the body. So when you know, when you can, like you're trained to sense through your hands where there is tingling or um, cold or hot, that kind of stuff. And then you, you work with your hands, you bring in more energy or you take energy out and then it just um, balances itself. Yeah. So, so was uh, this in the beginning of your practice when you first started doing energy healing? But that was during my training. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you were able to witness a miracle or be part of a miracle is what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was so stunned. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then, of course, that lady told others and they all came and wanted to be healed. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it because... You know, it has to be, um, you have to be in a certain frame of mind and the people have to be a bit more relaxed and not have such drastic expectations, but, you know, allow their energy to flow with what the practitioner is doing. And they were all gung-ho and, you know, then it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I uh, never got around to quite finishing my training because other things uh, started to happen. Um my marriage went downhill, so I had to give that up. And then I was uh, a single mom for a bit. And then I uh, carried on with my, um, with my spiritual um, development. I went uh, to see, they were called um, mediums. They were called mediums, and they uh, taught you how to sense the presence of other beings. So I found that very helpful and uh, was quite successful. For instance, we did psychometry where they give you a piece of, um, of jewelry from somebody because jewelry for the most part takes on the vibrations of the uh, owner. 
So that's why I would never buy used jewelry because chances are that the vibrations that have been observed by that metal will then work on me. And I got a, an example for that because we had to uh, do volunteer work and there was this lady and she gave me a watch and she said, but can, we, can you tell me about this watch? And I assumed it was her, but I kept saying, um, you know, the owner of this watch, uh, blah, 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 blah. And in the end, she said to me, you know, I can't really confirm what you said about this because it's not my watch. I found it on a bus. So <laughs> I still, you know, if I had found the person who it belonged to, but then I had other people where it uh, applied and they would say to me, how do you know that? And I would say, I don't know. It just comes in through me. I see pictures and then uh, I, I tell you about it. So I, it was my, my training into mediumship and I got a good understanding of um, that we are not what we appear to be, but there are all these forces, you know, you call yourself angel. I call them angels with wings. And then there are also angels without wings that guide us in our life. And I often had uh, people who did not have wings, but they were so important that they always lifted me when I was in the depth of despair and I had many opportunities for that they would lift me up and then put me into uh onto a new track and then I often didn't see them again and I have another weird experience for that I went um swimming in a lake and all of a sudden in the middle of the lake I got a panic attack and I thought I was going to drown and I just cried out and cried out to not loud I was too embarrassed but you know help 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 and I saw some reeds over on the side so I thought oh if I swim towards those reeds it may be more shallow there and I can stand but the next thing I know a little boat comes rowing up and it had a uh, a flag on that looked like um, a pride flag you know with all the rainbow colors and the man rose up and says oh, would you like me to pull you out and I said, oh, please. So I held on to that boat and he rowed me out to, to the shore and I staggered out. And then I turned around and I was going to, you know, thank him uh, profusely for having done that. And the boat and the man had disappeared. So, you know, that was one of the um, more picturesque experiences I had with divine intervention. But uh, I met people because my, my uh, child was uh, physically handicapped who I just mentioned that to and then they would lead me to someone else who would be able to help my child and that was before I was trained. So it has been an amazing um, thread of divine guidance that has gone through my life. Not that it has been an easy life, it has been a very hard life but you know, you learn best when you go through experience rather than read about them. When you have the experience, it colors your um, emotions and your thinking a lot more. But then um, I, had, I had divorced my husband. I was on my own for 17 years and had dated some very strange, weird men. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, do I want to spend the rest of my golden years uh, dating weird men because the good ones had it seemed already been picked and I thought um, no I think it would be nice to get married again I had never lived with anyone I had never um, had uh, that ambition 
And um, so the thought came up in me, and this is now my dream builder coaching uh, material, but that was before I was trained in that. I thought I'd like to spend my golden years with someone who is you know, compatible and um, easy to live with. Well, next thing I know, somebody breaks into my house and steals my computer. So, you know, who can live without a computer? I had to go buy a new laptop. And that laptop, for some reason, was previously programmed with date, uh, online dating sites. So I thought, well, there's no, nothing in my region here. I guess I have to go farther, farther away. And so I checked those datelines out and I decided on match.com because they were fair. They said, if you can't find your uh, man in the first six months that you pay for, we will give you another six months for free. I don't know how it is now. That was 10 years ago. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll go with them. So what I did was, you know, many people don't know that I praised myself, you know, buy me, buy me. I'm so wonderful <laughs> that if you, you know, um, want to get in touch with me and or marry me, this is uh, what I have to offer you. Well, I got all sorts of weirdos and all sorts of uh, opportunists and people who would uh, later on, years later, that was also a strange experience, read about them having taken women for their money. So uh, I'll tell the better side for now. Maybe later I can, if there's interest, I can talk more about the um, experiences I had with online dating. But um, I decided, okay, this isn't working. It's now month 11. I've got one or two more months to, um, to bring a reel in the fish. I have to take a different approach. So then I decided, well, why should I uh, be the good one? Let's see what I really, I knew what I didn't want. What did I want in a man? Well, he had to be, um, had to have a sense of humor, had to be easy on the eye, had to um, be intelligent and blah, blah, blah. All these things that were important to me at the time. And that's what I put in. And I also said, you know, if you don't qualify for this, um, don't, don't bother uh, replying. So I got a few answers, no, it wasn't the right ones, because I always let them know that I was on the spiritual track, and that was something important to me, that mm -hmm. they would be able to understand me, because, you know, how do you talk to people if they come from a, an accountant mind or a lawyer mind and are not in, um, versed in the, the skills or the understanding of the metaphysical? So, um, so yeah, it was month 12. <laughs> And then one day, a profile appears on my screen, and it was a man who was sitting there with a dog, which was a plus, because I love animals. And he wrote a bunch of things, very modest about himself, and then he put a poem down. And because I like poetry that makes sense, not the kind of, I call it verbal diarrhea, where it's just a bunch of words. But it made sense, and I thought, mm, I'm going to try this guy. Well... It turned out that he was actually from the east coast of Canada, way over in, in the east, and I was on the west coast. And what life had done, it had um, set up the players. So his family, he was a an educational psychologist, his family on the west coast was in distress and they phoned granddad to go help therapize <laughs> the rest of the family. 
So then granddad came over to the West and uh, he put a, this ad in the match.com thinking, well, maybe I'll find someone. And you know, that's how it happened. But that's not the weirdest thing yet. So then he only had three weeks that he could spend uh, on the West Coast and he had to go back to the East Coast. And I had great hopes because we got along so well. And then I get an email from him and he says, this is the first chapter of my book. And if you still want to talk to me after that, that would be great. Well, in that first chapter, he revealed that he was bisexual. Fortunately, in that situation, I had had a number of friends and my daughter, especially, uh, who were either gay or lesbians. And I had always found them to be very, very nice. And I think that was part of the attraction to this man that he was different from the heterosexuals because he could understand almost on a feminine level. And to me, that is just such a, such a gift that these men have. So I, I went and saw a couple, they were a lesbian married couple and said, what do I do now? And you know, I, I tried to see why this had happened to me and didn't make any sense and no, but I knew that the universe had put the two of us together for a reason. So, you know, I said, okay, that's fine with me. Um, I've dealt with the issue and I think we can work something out here. Well, then he started dithering. That was, um, I don't know, April or so. I said, uh, you know, if uh, we wrote through the summer, we talked on the phone, come October, he was still dithering. And I said, look, if that is such a hardship for you to make up your mind to come to the beautiful West Coast, then, uh, you know, it's not working. And it was a Friday morning that I decided that was the weekend I was going to send him a letter where I would say, well, it was nice knowing you and wish you all the best. You know, I had had such experience in dumping men because uh, I had had many opportunities. And I opened my computer to write that letter when I see that a message saying, oh, tonight we're going to have a meeting with a, a spiritual meetup group. And um, we're going to learn how to speak to the spirits. And I thought, holy smokes, that might be interesting. I had already had other plans, but I put those plans aside because whenever it was something important, I felt it's almost like a kick in my behind that says, go, you have to go there. You have to take this course or you have to do this or that. So I felt that kick and I thought, okay, I'll go. So I was there with 80 other people and strangely enough, I get to sit there in a spot and there was an empty chair beside me and it was the chair for the medium because there was a there were actually two mediums there and they always uh, did a meditation and then they talked about what they could see and all of a sudden I clicked and I got into that that level of consciousness where you can see things in your mind's eye. And the medium beside me was saying there's this black dog running around and I don't know why it's not going away. And then I realized it was my, um, my uh, late, or shall I say, my, my, uh, the dog who had died or so a year ago, and she wanted to be in contact with me. I said, okay, it's my dog. Once I said that, the dog settled down. And then we learned how to deal with, uh, how to talk to spirits. And as she was explaining this to me, I become aware that behind my left shoulder, my father is there. And my father and I never had a good relationship. So I said to him in my mind, what do you want here? 
and he didn't say anything, just stayed there. And I got involved in, you know, the techniques, how to call spirits up and so on. Then we had to go to a table, five people. And um, I got to work with uh, an upside down glass. And we had to find out that um, what the glass's direction was for yes, and the glass's direction for no. When it went yes, it would go to the right. When it went no, it would go to the left. But that's just something we had figured out. So next thing I know, my father is there again and I got to go first <clears throat> and I said, and I had to say that out loud, but be diplomatic. I said, well, are you here because of the situation I'm in right now? The glass said, yes. Are you going to help me with that? The glass said, yes. Is there a chance that this will work out? Yes. Then the medium comes up to me and says, do you have a brother? I said, no. She said, there's another man here. And then I realized it was my father's brother, my uncle, Leo. And I said, oh, Leo, are you here to help the other party? Like my, my boyfriend in the East. And the glass said, yes. And do you think it's going to work out? Or do you know it's going to work out? And he said, yes. And that's all I needed to know. The other participants, of course, at the time were getting anxious or, or frustrated because they wanted to have a turn so, too. So, you know, we, we took that out. Nobody got such interesting answers as I did, but I knew that I had my, my answer. So instead of sending him the farewell letter, I described to him exactly what had happened. And I felt a different vibration inside me, you know, of, um, of empowerment and of aliveness. And I expressed that. And the next thing I know, he writes me, uh, sends me an email, bought a one-way ticket <laughs> to Victoria. And so he uh, showed up and um, that was beginning of December and he proposed at the end of December and we've been married uh, for seven years now. But if it hadn't been that intervention, that basic, almost a physical intervention from the other side that knew this was something I had to get myself involved in, who knows? That's interesting. Uncle Leo, was he the man that told you when you were young that you were going to be someone special? No, that was Uncle Theodore. Okay. And strangely enough, I'm not Theodoro, but Dorothea. So somehow those two names, Dorothea means the gift of the goddess and Theodore means God's gift. So we're both in that situation of being divinely connected, even through our names. So it looks like your father was just, he could more easily get your attention. And yeah. then like Uncle Leo came in there and kind of changed things, helped you yeah. out with the, your husband. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and whatever works. Whatever works. <laughs> and the other thing was that Leo uh, influenced or um, how shall we say, yeah, I guess influenced um, my future husband and turned his way of thinking around by giving him, giving him extra energy that sometimes is required to make clear decisions. Mm-hmm. And once you're clear on what you want and what you don't want, the universe brings in these things. So uh, that is sort of my, my weirdest experience uh, of all. But then we moved from Victoria 
200 miles farther north on the island, sort of into the wilderness. We look out the, to the ocean and right now it's pouring rain. We live in the rainforest. And uh, after a while I asked myself, why am I here? Why am I here? And a few weeks later, I listened to a program on my uh, iPhone and it was with Mary Morrissey and she is the foremost dream builder in uh, I think the States, maybe even the world. And what she was saying was so, um, so interesting and resonated with me so strongly that I got the kick again into the behind. And she was going to do a, um, what do they call it? Uh, a live weekend thing in Dallas, Texas. And I said to my husband, we have to go. So we signed up and we went there. And uh, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to take that. If I don't take it, I will regret it. And I had sworn I would no longer do things that, um, that I would regret. So it did cost me almost my children's inheritance. But um, I realized that it was not even that much for the people that I was thinking and hoping of helping, but it was an immense boost for me. It was just such a gift that I gave myself. And uh, with all the experience I had after I took that training, uh, I was really able to, <clears throat> to see that my purpose in life is to help other people become empowered. And that's what you do as a dream builder because you help people get in touch with what, what really excites them, what electrifies them. You know, okay. so many of us are trained to be reasonable and say, well, no, this won't work and I don't have the education and I don't have the money and so on. But having uh, someone who helps you find what your life is really about I mean, I had to find it out myself, but it's again beneficial because then I can help other people when they are looking for things. So uh, that was another very important uh, step I took. And now I have a, a business I call Dorothea's uh, Transformational Life Coaching, short for Dorothea's TLC, you know, Tender Loving Care, mm -hmm. which is basically what I do. And when I see what happens to the people who uh, work with me, it just uh, makes me feel so humble, you know, that I have been, when I was a high school teacher, I, I never said that, that I did work as a high school teacher. I had all these young people and I wanted to inspire them and motivate them. Well, well, if we don't want to hear about that, go away, you know. And then, you know, when I met them 20 years later, they said what, um, how they wish they had listened. But anyway, now <laughs> I'm teaching seniors you know, and they're in the 70s and 80s, and they still have dreams. So I have I teach courses for them, and some of them hire me. But it's with women often in their 40s and 50s. They have been through life, and now they say, well, is that it? You know, is that all repetition, repetition, repetition? What else can I do? And they feel disempowered because of the situations they're in or the circumstances. And then uh, when they're ready or desperate enough they say well i don't want to spend the rest of my life like this i have to do something about it and if you uh, find somebody compatible you know there's always a compatibility factor involved because you need to be able to trust who you're working with and i mean you're working in the field of trust and uh i'm very selective who i allow into my um sphere because 
I practice what's called emotional hygiene, which is that I'm very um, protective of my energy so it doesn't get contaminated by people I, um, who are not compatible with me. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that people don't realize the impact that others around them have on people's well-being. You know, uh, we think that people are friends, but they talk us out of things. They talk us into things, none of which are beneficial to us. We need to have an opportunity to find out who we really want to be. You know, who is it? And I find I'm a, a real f- uh, friend or, or fan of Eckhart Tolle's. I don't mm-hmm. know. If you've heard of him. I love him. Oh, that man has saved my sanity a million <laughs> times. And he lives in Vancouver and he has a house on one of the islands in the in the area here. But we've all been warned not to go up and bother him, but let him have his coffee by himself. <laughs> well, so, you know uh, what? I know he was on Oprah a long time ago. Yes. Like 20 it, years it, ago when his book first came out. And yeah. I I remember watching and I said, I can't understand this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get past his accent. And <laughs> I know. here's the interesting thing. Just recently, I had an Audible membership and I decided I'm not using this and I need to use up my credits and buy whatever. And I got his book, The Power of Nile. That's and my- I loved listening to him and I had no problem with understanding him this time. So I think it was two things. For some reason, like his accent wasn't an obstacle anymore. And what he was talking about, I could understand now better than probably 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. But he is wonderful. Like I, I listened to the whole thing and I want to listen again because I feel like I didn't absorb everything that he was talking about the first yeah. time around. Mm-hmm. Because every time you read him, uh, you, you have had other experiences that have lifted you up to a, a different level of comprehension and a different level of consciousness. But he says, when a course of action is in alignment with what the universe wants, it will be empowered. And that is so, so true in my life. Whenever I look at something that I have done, not for my selfish self, but that also had benefits for other people, it it was magic. It was magic. Mm -hmm. And this book is so full of that. You know, he talks about so many aspects of life mind you, in a very uh, slightly um, uh, elevated kind of way, but uh, depending on where you are at in your life, you will get some benefit out of it. And then, as I said, I've been reading him for 20 years, and I'm still reading him. His book is on my uh, night table, and you should see it. It's underlined with orange, exclamations with red, (laughs) squiggles with green. And whenever I'm in a situation where, oh, I need some input, come on, his uh, book comes uh, up in my mind and I sit down and I read that. Yeah, I had to read that about the pain body. I had a pain body attack. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's, he's, I think, one of the foremost sages, wise men in the world these days because he is so, so selfless. And I'm glad that he will be able to travel again because he travels all over the world and people follow him. Actually, speaking of teachings, I think he's going to be at Phoenix 
mm-hmm. in the coming year and I was looking at it and it was kind of pricey yeah. because I was interested in going mm-hmm. but his, he also goes to Boston and places like that what he's talking about in the power of now is very relevant to what's happening right now on the planet mm-hmm. yeah so it's actually very comforting to read what he's saying or listen so if anybody out there hasn't tried Eckhart Tolle yet try it because I felt a lot of comfort in what he was saying Mm -hmm. Um, soothing I call it soothing he's my soother (laughs) I mean he's so like the epitome of calm Yes. yes but if you knew his previous life story you know he was almost suicidal yeah, he no, did he mention the- that in the book briefly. And I remember he talked about it on Oprah too. But yeah, so what inspired you to write your book? Um, it was when I was giving courses or uh, presentations or workshops that people would say, you know, you've because I would pepper them with stories because mm-hmm. it takes people out of the theory and they get oh, a bit of relaxation and I had always done that with my students when I felt I was losing them I would say oh, well let me tell you a story and they put the devices down and they put the pens down oh she's gonna tell us a story so anyway um they felt that the stories I had to tell were very enriching and very interesting and um I thought well why not try it and that was a few months before COVID, it was November 1990, no, uh, sorry, 2019. And I, one day I sat down, took my computer and started writing and it just flowed out of me. I wrote that book in four months and then there mm-hmm. was some editing and, you know, and then self-published it. But it was um, all these uh, hardships, all this adversity, all these obstacles that I had and how there was this thread running through that there was always help available. There was always help available if I chose to see it. So uh, I thought if there is a way to encourage people, it would be through stories. So I was told this is a book you can't put down. People read it in one night. Somebody said, don't start reading it at night because (laughs) (laughs) you'll be up reading. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be up reading, especially when it resonates with you. And that is part of the purpose why I wrote it to have people resonate. We all have different challenges in our lives and we can see ourselves, you know, reflected in what I'm uh, telling people. But at the end of every chapter, I write the gift that I have received. So whether it's uh, the gift uh, that, um, well, how much time do we have? We have time. We still have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could tell the story about my mother who lived in, in Germany and I lived over here and we were very close. In those days, uh, the um, a minute of uh, calling Germany was $2.50. Of course, you couldn't afford it. So we exchanged cassette tapes, you know, those little things that ran around. <clears throat> so um, she would make one for me, I'd make one for her. And um, I was unhappy in my marriage and I said I wanted to come home. And uh, I was waiting for a tape from her to, um, to sort things out. And then it came and she said, yeah, you can move back with me and uh, it will all be fine not I didn't realize that it was going to kidnap my my children (laughs) that would be not a legal thing but you know when you're desperate you don't think about these details 
So anyway, uh, I was going to go home in the um, March of 85. And in um, January uh, of 85, I get a phone call. Mother has had a stroke. She's in the hospital. So uh, she said it's not on my sister's phone. I still had three sisters over there. And I said, uh, you know, how bad is it? Well, we don't know. So I said to my mother in my mind, I said, mother, if you go over to the other side, would you please send me a sign that you're okay over there? Um, three days later, she had died. And then I get a phone call from my uh, sister who said, that on the day that my mother had gone to the hospital, she had taken her watch off and she had put it on a shelf. And when three days later, after all the excitement, she put it on again, that was before my mother died. She um, realized that the, uh, oh no, let me, I don't wanna, maybe I could read that. Maybe I could read that in my book. If we have a moment here, where is it? Okay, 43. Okay, um, yeah. So uh, let me just read that. So on January 11th, 1985, I came home from errands when my husband told me there had been a call from one of my sisters in Bavaria informing us that my mother had had a stroke. They would call again with an update. I was terribly upset and certain that I had caused the stroke with my tape but later found out that it had arrived after she had gone into the hospital. The other worry was that now she wouldn't be able to look after my children. I saw the door closing in front of me. The next call a few days later was cautiously optimist optimistic, but on January 17th, the dreaded message came. Our mother had died the night before at 11.45 p.m. I was beside myself with grief and extremely angry at the universe that it had taken away my only chance for a new beginning. What was I going to do? I know now that I was still spiritually unconscious and could not make any sense out of this tragedy and discerned that the tracks had been again moved into a new direction for my inner growth. A few days later, there was another desperate call from home. Apparently the electricity in the house was acting strange. Every time they tried to plug something into an outlet, sparks would fly. The toaster, the washing machine and other appliances either didn't work or sparked. Could I help with my connections to the universe? I called my teacher, Pat, and told her what was going on. Yes, this is not unusual, she said. Your mother is angry that she had to leave the Earth plan and worried about her orphaned children. My, twin, my sisters who were twins were 17 at the time. She's still hanging around them, trapped between the here and the spirit side. You need to have a conference call where you assure your mother that you will be able to handle your lives and help each other. That's what we did and the electrical problems stopped immediately. But there had been another amazing development. When my mother lay dying, as I already said, I telepathically asked her to send me a message after she or her spirit had left her body. Perhaps let my husband's hair grow back or the rose bush in front of our house bloom in January. A week after my mother's passing, my youngest sister, Sue called. Sue called. She needed an explanation for a strange occurrence. Two days before our mother had died, Sue had noticed with surprise that her watch had stopped at quarter to 12 and that the little window on the right indicated the date was January 16th. 
As she didn't feel like changing the date back to the 13th, she took off her watch, stopped the mechanism, placed it on a shelf in the dining room and left it there. A couple of days later, when she looked at the date window again, the numbers had inexplicably jumped forward and stopped exactly in between the 16th and the 17th. Mother had died at 11.45 p.m. on January 16th, almost into the 17th. That was undoubtedly the sign I had asked for. How else could an inanimate watch move the date ahead and stop in a precise position, which would have meaning to only a select group of people? My mother, as pure energy, had manipulated the date mechanism on the watch to indicate her departure time. So uh, that was also at the very beginning of my training, uh, but into the spiritual realm, but still something that uh, sticks with you when it happens in your own family. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And they keep happening too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that I'm more advanced in my consciousness and uh, my experiences, I can see many of these things. We call them synchronicities. You know, mm -hmm. when all of a sudden something happens that you hadn't expected and uh, often they are helpful, unexpected events. And my life is just full of them, just full of them. I can't yeah. tell Me you. Me too. And once you realize these things happen, these synchronicities, and they have meaning, the more you see them, mm -hmm. the more you start paying attention, mm -hmm. the more that you'll understand the meaning behind it. Because even if you are having a bad day or your plans are going awry, I always feel like there's a divine hand that's mm -hmm. maybe might be protecting me from something mm -hmm. or maybe moving me toward talking to a person mm -hmm. in a store or some kind of chance meeting. So you don't know what the higher purpose of everything is. Yes. So I, even when like, this is silly but the other day I've been trying to fill my tires with air and I went to I swear six different gas stations because like one was cut off and broken like I put in my money and I realized <laughs> that the the tip of it was cut off and I was like well darn I'll just use the vacuum cleaner you know because I paid two dollars and I vacuumed my car and then I got back in and I went to the next place and the next place um the card reader wasn't working and then the, ne the next place didn't have the right reader for me to understand how to fill it I mean it was like on and on and on and Finally, I said, come on, universe. Yeah. Like, can you work with me on this and just make this happen? Yeah. Like, I don't under I still don't understand why this is so hard. Yeah. So I finally was able to do it the other day, but sometimes I feel like they're playing with me. Yeah. Or maybe it's an exercise in patience or something. Or maybe they want me to go to six different gas stations that day and leave my energy there. I don't know. <laughs> Well, awesome explanation yeah your gifts there. right sometimes yeah. I think they want you to be somewhere and not just to do something particular so I'm very aware of that too mm -hmm. because as energy healers our energy is really powerful you know you've been working on this a long time I've been working on it for a long time we know how to project our energy and retract it so you know, I've been told in readings by other people 
that my energy will wake people up Mm -hmm. that it'll trigger awakening or some kind of they'll feel different Mm -hmm. when I walk in the room and leave the room and you'll never know this because they're strangers yeah but she one astrologer gave me this image of I have like this sweeper energetic sweeper in front of me and I'm sweeping the energy with my energy so that was really interesting yeah yeah but uh, as you were saying you know universe work with me there are beings energy around us and sometimes they want to be invited yes but, you know I, I have a few that have names that I call in there is one um, Saint Anthony he's a patron of the sloppy people and <laughs> when I can't find something or my husband can find something he's like go, go talk to Anthony I need to find this and in nine times out of ten I find it yeah so uh, you know all of a sudden after I've been here ten times the picture comes up go back an eleventh time and then I reach for it and it's right there it's always been there but I had been so preoccupied with other things so, you know, talking to these energetic beings around us is very, very helpful. Crying out, you can cry out or you can just say, okay, I need some help. I used to yeah. cry out in the hallway, scream at them. But, you know. Well, even your story in the, in the water when you panicked, you were calling for help. <laughs> and help came. Yeah. And yeah. then disappeared magically when, after he was done helping you. So, yeah, when you're, if there's a message to this, to anyone listening out there, if you're having a frustrating time, you don't know why you have to go to six gas stations to fill up your tires. You know, what is the, what is the point of this? You know, ask for help. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be anybody particular. It could be God. It could be creator. It could be angel. It could be, you know, whomever. This, hey, can I get some help here? Because I'm starting to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, quite agree with it. Uh, if we still have a minute, um, do we? Yes. Because you were talking about cars. I had been in my old Mercedes and the heat um, gauge went way up. And I knew the motor would blow if I didn't uh, get some help soon. So I... Um, I drove down a hill, fortunately, and I saw on the other uh, side of the road, a VCAA in, in the States, it's AAA, sort of um, automobile service or something. And I thought, oh, shoot, they wouldn't know where I'd have to go. And um, I park and there's a van beside me and this man comes out to help his wife out of the passenger seat. And I said to him, you wouldn't happen to know a good um, place, a good garage that could help me with my uh, situation here. And he said, well, go this way, that way, and the other way. So praying, I drove and I pull into the street and I look to the side and there it says, Auto House, Mercedes, BMW, VW. It was the specialist that was sitting right there. So that man had directed me to a different um, garage farther down the street, but I needed the one for the Mercedes. So I went <laughs> and I said, oh my God. And sure enough, there was a leak in the hose uh, and... Um, you know, if I hadn't stopped at that um, BCAA uh, store, I would have just erred around and my motor would have blown up. But that's when I know that I'm being guided. That was oh, not yeah. anything that I was doing. I was just following directions. Whenever so, I think about manifestation, like yes. if anybody wants anything, like uh, uh, 
significant other or money or whatever that it's always answered but it's like i always think of all these guardian angels right so we're all supposed to be have like up to four is what i learned I've got seven because i'm a special case <laughs> <laughs> well told- spirit guides i got a whole gang of those but you know, like everyone has up to four guardian angels. So they're, they're they're all knowing and they know what's going on. And so they're whispering in everybody's ear. You know, so that man that directed you down that road, his angel may have been like, tell her to go down this way. Yeah. You know, and, and not even why, just tell her to go that way. And then knowing that you were going to find the right mechanic for your car. So I always have this... I have this vision of like all these angels are always whispering in everybody's ears and that some are paying attention and some are not. And when they do pay attention, that's when the cool stuff happens. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. To that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so enjoyed talking to you. Um, i definitely want to check out your book when life has other plans discover the hidden gifts and i'll have all your contact information in the show notes if anybody wants to contact you do you do sessions remotely mm-hmm. absolutely okay. yeah Why okay yeah well yeah it was such a joy to talk to you today <laughs> it was my pleasure I felt really, I felt heard, you know, when I feel that I talk to someone who hears what I'm saying, not just on a verbal level, but also on an intuitive and spiritual level, I just pour out my, my yeah. uh, wisdom. Yeah. I and if, able to make a difference, maybe in one person's life. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my listeners, very open-minded They're They love hearing about other people's experiences and learning new things and So thank you for being on the show. Good. Well, thank you for having me. It was a real fun time. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot, and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218, or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook. And like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.